If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to read verses 6 through 13 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 13. And when you got it, if you'd stand to your feet so I know you're ready for God's Word this morning. This is what the Word of God says today. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything that you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever." Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. This is the part I really want to focus on this morning. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. Lord God, today we pray a blessing over your word that you would speak to every heart and every mind, that you would transform our way of thinking and our way of living, that we could leave different than how we came in, and that we would become a generous people. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preface this message but letting you know this is not a tithe and offering message. I know everybody gets nervous anytime you got to talk about giving. This is not a tithe and offering message. This is a message that is revealing to us that Scripture calls us to be generous people. That this is not just limited to the the dollars you give or or the or the offering you give, the tithe you give. It's, it's not limited to that, although that is part of it. It's not the whole thing. And there is so much more to being generous people than just writing checks and putting money in a plate and, and donating and, and things like that. Uh, you, you, generosity is something that is above and beyond the tithe. You see, the tithe is, is like we talked about during our offer, offering time, it is an act of obedience and worship to God that, that declares that we are consecrating all that God has given us unto him and declaring that all things belong to him and we are just faithful stewards of it. That is what the tithe is. Generosity is fueled by the heart that gives from a place of love and joy for God. And it's not just finances, it's time, it's talent, it's other resources that you have in your life. It's, it's, you can be generous with your time. You can be generous. It, it's generous to pull over on the side of the road and help somebody change a tire. How many know that sometimes we're in a hurry and we don't, we don't always feel like we got time for that? But I'm reminded in Scripture of the story of the Good Samaritan who made time to serve a man who was in great need. 
and we can be generous by just serving somebody around us. We can be generous with our talents. And, and if somebody is in need of a meal and you have the talent to cook, it would be generous of you to take something that you have cooked and share it with them. Are you all following with me this morning? I want us to understand today, I know anytime we, we get into talking about generosity, everybody kind of tenses up a little bit and thinks that it's just about giving of your money, but there is so much more to be given within each and every one of us than just what we have in the bank. And I think God requires more of us than just writing a tithe and putting a few dollars in the plate on a Sunday morning, Amen. We can give our time. We can give our talent. We have other resources that we can give. And so we need to understand today that generosity is a, a way of life, a way of living that is beyond just the tithe and the offering today. Generosity is a matter of the heart. The, the Bible told us there in verse number 7, it said, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Now, in this scripture, excuse me, in this, in this scripture, yes, they're talking about gathering a gift of financial blessing for the apostles and the church leaders during this time, but but the reality of it is, is it's not even determining an amount. It's not even determining an exact uh, uh, exact. Uh, thing, specific thing that they're giving. What In verse number seven here, what he's saying is, is you got to dig into your heart and between you and God, give what God is telling you to give. He's talking about more motivation and, and, and than anything. He's not telling you, you need to give this exact amount. It's like, what is God telling you to give? Is God telling you to give some time? Is God telling you to give some of your talent? Is God telling you to go next door to your neighbor and offer them a meal? Is God telling you to go to the person across the street who struggles physically and shovel their driveway for them? Is God telling you to do those things? He's saying you got to decide in your heart. You have to go before God, and you have to come between before him and ask him, Lord, what are you asking me to give to be generous? And he says, and when God has given you that decision within your heart and you've talked to him about it, he's saying, you don't do it reluctantly and don't do it just out of compulsion, feeling like there is a gun to your head, but he says, we need to do it cheerfully. Because if you do something reluctantly, it shows. And we got to understand today, and we're going to dive more into this here in a moment, but this is a ministry of generosity. As we read in, in verses 12 and 13, we understand that the generosity here that he's talking about is being described as a ministry. And if you do it reluctantly, if you do it out of, out of feeling like there is a gun to your head, it shows. When we go to somebody and we offer them the help and and we don't really want to be there, we don't really want to do it, it will show and it will kill the life that that ministry can give. Because they'll say they're doing it because they feel like they have to, not because they love God and love me and care about me. They're doing it because somebody told them they had to do it. And the, the authentic, genuine love that comes from our heart in giving, in generosity, will shine so bright or it will shine so dark and lack the light. It will display love or it will display reluctancy. 
It will display love or it will display begrudgment. The reality of it is, is when we give anything and we try to be a generous people, we have to do it from a place of love, compassion, and kindness so that it can be effective. Because the reality about generosity is generosity will point people to God. Generosity is a ministry that reveals God's provision. It reveals God's love to people. Verses 11 through 12 again. I'm going to read them one more time for you. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So being generous produces a thanksgiving that goes to God through the work of the people that are being generous. Do you follow me? When we, when we are generous to people, there is, there is something that stirs up in the people that are receiving that generosity that says, oh, thank God, I didn't know how I was going to eat this week. Oh, thank God, I didn't know how I was going to get out of my driveway because it was so full of snow. Oh, thank God, I didn't know this. or I didn't. There's a thanksgiving that is produced in the people who receive the generosity that we provide. He goes on to say, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Again, it overflows and creates thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. So generosity is, is twofold. It provides for the saints, but it also overflows into the people around to, the, to where they are giving thanks and glory to God as well. You see, it, it declares that it is a ministry. It is, it, the act of generosity is a ministry to the people. And what it does is generosity makes us a conduit of God's grace and provision. If you don't know what a conduit is, it is, it is a vessel that receives on one end and pours out the other. And so as we receive from God, as God is generous to us, we take what God has given us and we use it to pour out to other people. And there are, there are two different conduits that is, are being described in, in this scripture. Uh, is number one, the conduit of the church supplying the needs of the saints. And, and so as you give to the church, as you know, the, I will come back around to the tithe and offering for, again for just one moment. When you give to the church and you donate eggs and you donate candy and, and, and you do give financially and, and you show up and you help out with, uh, with dinners and, and you help provide when we do the spaghetti dinners and, and when we do the Thanksgiving dinner and you provide, you are allowing this church and you are even yourself as being part of this church becoming a conduit to our community to show God's love and grace and provision. Because there are people, and we learned this lesson doing the Thanksgiving uh, drive through dinner this last year, we are going to have to greatly increase what we provided because we ran out of food in 20 minutes because the need is so great. The reality of it is, is life is hard for a lot of people, and you know what? Sometimes it's hard for us too. But we have a advantage because we have an understanding of who our provider is. 
And so when we become a conduit, we can show God's love and grace and mercy to the people around us. And although it may not stick the first time, I guarantee you, because I've seen it myself, that multiple people will come through a second time. And eventually, as the seed is planted, it becomes watered. And eventually, the Scripture tells us that some plant, some water, but it is God who gives growth. That It is through our working and through us being a conduit from generosity that we are planting seeds in the people that we serve. And within that begins to grow something called thanksgiving to God. Eventually, they, they come to a point within themselves where they say, God provided for me through these people. That church, they might start out saying, that church fed me. That church fed me. That f- church gave me this or that church gave me that. But the reality of it is, is God is just using us as instruments. And eventually they figure that out. And eventually the, the praise goes from, oh, thank you, church, to thank you, God. And something clicks within them where, where they learn that, that, that God really does love me and God really does care about my needs. And although my, my life may not be where I think it should be and my life might be falling apart, there is a God who's willing to meet me where I'm at and take care of everything that I need. So you as a church, when you give and you, you help support the ministries that we do, it, the whole purpose of it is to be generous to the community around us and to be generous to those who are in need. And when you participate in that, you become part of that conduit. But that conduit goes beyond the church and extends to you as an individual. See, there are so many opportunities every day of our lives that we could be generous to those around us. We can be generous when we tip our waiter or waitress at the restaurant, we could be generous with our testimony. Listen, your testimony is not for you to just keep to yourself. The story of what God's done for you and have brought you to salvation is meant for you to be shared with the world. It's, it's not for you to keep. It's not your secret little story that you experience that you lock up in your closet. It is something for you to take to the world and share. Look what God did for me. I am truly convinced, and I'm rabbit trailing here for just a moment, I am truly convinced that our testimony is the most powerful witnessing tool that we have as an individual believer. Because your testimony can't be disputed. Nobody can tell you God didn't do that for you. They might try. But the reality of it is, is our testimonies are so great and the stuff we've overcome is so great that if when you share your testimony and you are generous in telling your story, the reality is it comes to a point where they say it really could have only been God. We, you as an individual can be generous to your neighbor next to you. I have really tried my best to get to know the people that live around us and make conversation with them when I see them and, and, and interact with them because the, the Lord convicted me of it. How can you reach the whole city if you can't even reach the person next to you? So the reality is, is we have a responsibility as individuals to the person who lives next to us, to the person who lives across from us, the person we come in contact with at the register at Walmart or, or Aldi or wherever you shop. We have a responsibility as believers to be a conduit of generosity, 
to show God's love and gener- generosity to those around us. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 tells us this, if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. In other words, the scripture saying, if you have the means to help somebody in need and you see them in need and you don't help them, he's saying he's questioning the love of God that is in a person. See, generosity reveals what lives within our hearts. Or lack of generosity reveals what doesn't live in our heart, but should. See, generosity will show that God's love lives inside of you because we serve a God who he himself is generous. He's generous in his grace and his mercy. The Bible says he does not give like an earthly father gives. Earthly fathers want to give good gifts, and earthly fathers want to give good things to their children. And the Bible says how much more does your heavenly father want to give to those who believe in him? In other words, as generous as you may know your parents to be, your family to be, or other people to be, God is much more generous and how he gives to those he loves and who follow him and who belong to him. And so we have this opportunity to share God's love through generosity. It reveals the love of God through generosity. I want us to understand something about how being generous works. See, generosity is not just giving something. Generosity is not just sacrificing something, although sometimes it feels like a sacrifice and it is giving something. Generosity is more than that. Generosity is sowing. See, you're not just giving something away. You're not just giving your time away. You're not just giving eggs away. You're not just giving prizes away. You're not just uh, giving your testimony away. You're not just giving your, your talent or your, your, uh, your covered dish to your neighbor away. What you're giving away is, is what you are, you're not giving away. What you're doing is you're sowing a seed. You're sowing the love of God. You're sowing the word of God. You're sowing a testimony of God's grace and goodness. You're sowing food to people. When Jesus was getting ready to, to preach and teach to people, when there was 5,000 people around, one of his concerns was, did he feed them? And he made his disciples go get a couple of bread and some fish and open the first red lobster and fed all these people. There is so much more to it. He was sowing a seed into the people. You see, the reality of it is, is is when we sow a seed, there's a harvest that comes with it. But you can't have a harvest in an area that has not had a seed sown. See, giving away has, if you're just giving something away, the chances are it's out of reluctancy, it's out of complacency, it's but when you're generous, there is something attached to what you are giving called love and compassion that plants something. If see if I just if I just gave somebody a chair, if I just gave somebody uh, a hot dog or whatever and, and I just was oh here you go and moved on about my life, I just gave something away. 
But if I see somebody in need on the side of the road hungry and I stop and I give them something to eat and I take a moment with them and I don't just give them food for their stomach, but I give them the bread of life, the word of God as well, there is something attached to that sandwich or to that meal that has been provided for that person. If we take a moment and say, hey, you know, I, 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 here, here's, here's a something to eat, here's something to drink, can I pray with you, can I spend some time with you? See, now all of a sudden we go from just giving something away. I could drive by, hand them a sandwich and say, here, here you go, and just keep on moving about my day. That's giving something away. Sowing a seed is saying, hey, I see that you're hungry. I see that you're in need. Let me, let me take care of that for you. But would you mind if I talk to you for a moment? Let me get to know you, spend some time with you. Hey, can I tell you about a man who saved my life and turned my life around for me, pulled me up out of my mess and my situation? And, and can I take a moment and pray with you? Now that, that gift becomes a seed. Because whatever you gave that person by itself, if, if love and compassion and, and, and the grace of God are not attached to it, then all it is is just a sandwich. All it is is just a nice cup of hot chocolate on a cold day. All it is is just a, just shovel in a driveway to do a good deed. But when you attach the love of God to it, when you attach true compassion, when you do it out of your heart, like the scripture says, all of a sudden it becomes a seed. And the difference is a seed will grow. A seed will, will birth something in them and create something that will produce much fruit. Sowing is such an important thing for us. And see, we need to understand about sowing as well as how much you reap is determined by how much you sow. The more seed you sow, the more harvest you can reap. See, uh, verse number six said the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. You know, we got family members that... Uh, that we talk to that may not be saved. And we may have mentioned, oh yeah, I go to church and we do that and I believe and you know, you may have shared the gospel, they may know your story, but but you're sparing you, you you sow that seed sparingly and then wonder why you've not seen any fruit in their life. The more generously you sow a seed, the more likely you are to see a good harvest from it. And we'll say that again. The more you sow a seed, the more you will see in the harvest. You see, we, we wonder why things aren't happening. We wonder why things aren't changing in our life. But, but we aren't sowing the seed very often. We aren't sowing it generously in, in the amount that we're sowing. Let, let, me, uh, let me apply this to, to uh, other areas of life this morning. Because we talked about being a ministry to the people around us, but there, there are ministries within our home amongst our family. There is ministry in marriage. Marriage is a ministry to each other, and that's a whole other message for another time. But how much seed are you sowing in your marriage? How much seed are you sowing in your family? How generous are you with your love and your time and, and your talent to the people that are in your own home? 
You see, we, we want to see a marriage healed, but we don't sow enough seed within the marriage for anything to grow. We want to see family reconciled, but we don't sow enough seed within the family to see it reconciled, to see that harvest of reconciliation. We also need to understand that's not just how much we sow, but what you sow determines what you reap. I think we, we, uh, we forget sometimes that we, we sow seed every day. You know, we can, we can be heartless and whatever, but what we're doing is we're sowing a seed of complacency. And when you sow a seed of complacency, like I mentioned earlier, if I just give that, that person who's hungry a sandwich and move on and it was complacent, the only thing that's going to grow in his life is more complacency. But if I sow the love and grace of God in that moment, then guess what can grow? The love and grace of God. If, if, I, if I go about my life talking to people, talking down to people, treating people terribly, I'm sowing that seed of anger. I'm sowing that seed of malice and grudges and, 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 and all of those things. That's what's being sowed. And the only thing that's ever going to grow from that is malice and grudges and, and anger and division. See, we, we sow seed all the time. We just don't really pay attention to it. What you sow determines what you reap. We can, we can sow things and not even realize it. And I get it, we're all imperfect people. We're all going to sow seed that we regret. But the reality is, is you can always go back and work that field again. And you can reconcile and you can sow the seed of reconciliation. The other thing we need to understand is where you sow determines where you reap. You see, we can sow all of our seed into our careers, into our hobbies, into all these things that we love, and then we can have our family over here suffering with nothing growing, nothing thriving, nothing living, because we sowed all of our seed here and nothing there. And when you don't sow it here, don't expect anything to grow here. Where you sow your seed matters. If, if we spend all of our time sowing seed on, and oh, help me, Lord. If we spend all of our time on a Sunday morning sowing the seed of sitting on our couch and, and relaxing and, and watching football, but we never take the time to, to, to sow the seed of worship within the house of God, don't expect there to be much growth in the relationship with God. If we spend all of our time over here sowing seed and, and, into our, our hobbies and, and, and all of this. Listen, I saw a picture the other day. It was of the Buffalo Bills Stadium, all the snow, all the stuff that was falling. And there's people sitting at this playoff game with like inches of snow piled on top of the people. They were so willing to suffer through that. They were so determined to be there in that stadium. And they were so so obsessed with this. They were worshiping. It's really what it turns into. It becomes an idol. And now you're worshiping 19 to 20-some-year-old people playing a children's game, if we're going to be honest, compared to what God who he is and what he does in our life, it's nothing. And we will sacrifice and we will suffer through all of that. But when it's a little little bit snowy out or it's a little bit chilly out, and, we, and listen, there are times when it is dangerous to be outside and, and it's, it's wisdom, but there are other times when we just look for excuses to stay home. 
There, there are other times when we look for excuses not to serve. There are times when we look for excuses not to pray, not to read, not to sow the seed into our relationship with God, and then wonder why we struggle so much in our faith. There's a difference between wisdom and excuses. Last week it was like negative 100 outside. I get it. You know, stay home. You need to be safe. I understand that. I'm not trying to bash anybody for making that decision. That's fine. I, I get it. It was dangerous for some people, and conditions are different for everybody and where you live. But what I am saying is, is there are other moments in time where we could be in the house of the Lord. There's no reason not to, but we're just a little bit tired. It's too much work for us to get up and go pray. It's just too much. We've had so much going on all week. You know, sometimes I wonder if we reprioritized our life a little bit, all those things that overwhelm us, I wonder how much easier those things would be to deal with if we had more of a priority on sowing seeds in the right things. Because we'll, we'll spend all of our time sowing seeds into dead fields, bad soil, places where things are never going to grow, and we will worry about it, and we will neglect the good soil. We will neglect our faith. We will neglect the relationships in our life that matter. We'll neglect our families. We'll neglect all of these things so we can keep sowing seed over here because we are so determined that something's going to grow in this area. But sometimes I wonder if we would just spend more time in these fields, if if we, if we would sow in these fields, the fruit that we think we're going to get over here is actually going to grow over here. You might be sowing seeds into a dead, dying job, and if you would just spend more time sowing it into what God has for your life, if maybe he has some fruit that will take care of that need and satisfy that need that you keep trying to make happen somewhere else. Where you sow your seed matters. But the trick is you got to sow it in the fields that God has designated for us to sow it in. And I, I want us to understand today that along with all of this sowing seed, that there is, there is a harvest, and, and I find it interesting, and I've seen this take place so many times. The more generous we are, when we start out with what we can do, God provides more seed for more sowing. I talked to Ruth this morning. I said, is it all right if I pick on you a little bit? Ruth and uh, her crew get together, and they sell sub sandwiches, and they do bake sales, and they do all of this stuff to raise money to buy toys for kids every year at Christmas time. And uh, the first year we were here, the first Christmas we were here, it was something like 35 families, 40 families, something along that. And uh, I don't remember what the dollar amount that was raised that year. And, but I do know this, that this last Christmas, there was 80, 85, 86 families pushing 90 families. It, it more than doubled the next year. And I think the money that came in pretty well doubled or close to it as well. Am I correct in that? And what happens is, and I'm not, I know Ruth doesn't want the pat on the back. She doesn't do it for recognition. That's why I asked her this morning. I said, would it be all right? Because she's told me before. She goes, don't you dare talk about that. I'll break your legs. 
She, she is the epitome of don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, or I say it that way because I'm left-handed. So I know it's don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. But, but the reality of it is, is that is just one testimony of when you sow generously in a field, God will give increase in that field, and there will be more opportunity, more seed to sow, more harvest to reap. Went from 40 families to almost 90 families. Went from, I don't remember the dollar amount to, but I do remember it was almost double it. It is, it is amazing to me how this principle works in our life. I've seen it in my life where the Lord has laid it on my heart to financially sow when I didn't have it to sow. And the next thing I know, I had more than enough. There was, a, I'll tell you this one story, that just to give different examples. I, there was a time in my life I had an emergency room bill. Still living in Finley long before we were here, I had an emergency room bill. I'm like, I don't have the money to pay this thing. That, that morning, my devotion was on God providing manna in the wilderness for the people of Israel. And, and, and I said, Lord, if you can provide manna for them, you can provide a, a check for me. And I kid you not, the mail came that, that same day. And I opened up an envelope, and inside it was a check for $2 more than what I needed. You, you can't make this stuff up. I've seen that time and time again in my life and in the lives of others. When we sow seed, and when you, if, if, if you want your marriage to be better, start sowing seeds into your marriage. It will probably be twice as good as it has ever been. If you want your family to grow and be healthier and happier together, start sowing seeds in the family. And it will grow, and it will be twice as happy as it was before. The problem is, is we, 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 we don't realize how much fruit is really going to be produced from it. And sometimes we look at the amount of work it's going to take and say, all I have is this one little seed to sow, and the need is so great. How, how will I ever see enough come from this? I'm going to close with this statement. You can count the seeds that are in an apple, but you cannot count the apples that are in a seed. You see, we don't know what really the potential of a seed is. We're not called to figure that out. The Bible says just sow the seed. And God's God tells us in his word, he says, some sow, some water, but it is God who gives the growth. And if God gives the growth, it's a safe bet that God, knowing the need, will provide for every need. And I truly believe today that there are things in our lives, situations in our lives, places in our lives, relationships, jobs, family members, that if we would just start sowing seeds generously. See, the ministry of generosity is not limited to a dollar amount. It's not limited to, to just serving the people around us. It's the love you give. It's the time you give. It's the, the talent you give. And, and you could help your neighbor with a project at their house that you see them working on. You could, you, you could do so many different things. I could list forever and ever. 
But the ministry of generosity is just looking at what you have, like First uh, John three seventeen and 18 said, basically, if anyone has this world's good and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And I believe that the scripture intentionally says, if anyone has this world's goods, whatever is good for that situation, if you have it, you need to sow it. That's a hard thing for us to do. But I I want us to be a generous church. Scratch that. God wants us to be a generous church. It doesn't matter what I want. I just want to obey God. Will you bow your heads with me today?